Tyrone, and we, we are, are not your attorneys. We have another special guest episode for you today. Tyrone, yep. please tell us who we have. Oh boy, fresh off the flight from Los Angeles. So she has done a lot, so we're not going to shy away from reading off all her accomplishments right now. So let's get into it. Miss Jaya Thomas is a Los Angeles-based sports and entertainment attorney with over 10 years of experience on both coasts. She represents film producers, television writers, and various industry talent, assisting them with intellectual property and transactional matters. She has negotiated deals with several networks, including ABC, NBC, HBO, and Bravo. She also assists professional athletes with brand protection and production company formation. Jaya has been quoted as a legal expert in publications such as the New York Times, which you should all know, and USA Today, she has served as a panelist for the Los Angeles County Bar Association and Beverly Hills Bar Association and a speaker for several sports and entertainment law conferences. She has had several articles published in journals, including Pace IP, Sports and Entertainment Law Journal, For the Love of the Name, Professional Athletes Seek Treatment Protection, Journal of Sports Media, Twitter, The Sports Media Rookie, and the American Bar Association, One Million Followers, Understanding Social Media Influencer Agreements. Jaya is currently an adjunct professor at UCLA, where she teaches a course titled Copyright Law and the Entertainment Industry, an all-day seminar titled The Nuts and Bolts of Starting a Law Practice. Prior to her appointment at UCLA, she was an adjunct professor at American University in Washington, D.C., where she taught graduate students about the inner workings of production company formation. She has guest lectured at several universities, including Stanford Law School and Georgetown Law School. Jaya recently launched Diverse Representation, which we will get more into today, a platform aimed at increasing the exposure and number of African-American agents, attorneys, managers, and publicists working in the sports and entertainment industries. In addition to hosting various events, Diverse Representation provides the first ever comprehensive database of African-American agents, attorneys, managers, and publicists who work in the sports and entertainment industry throughout the country. You can go to that website, diverserepresentation.com for more information. She is also a native of Cincinnati, Ohio, and a graduate of Colgate University and the George Washington University Law School. And she also has a certificate in television, film, and new media production from University of California, Los Angeles. So without further ado, welcome Ms. Jaya Thomas. Welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. We're so happy that you were able to, you know, fit us in on this <laughs> short trip from Los Angeles. So before we get into your whole, you know, professional background, I want to talk about a little bit of our commonality is the time you spent in Ohio. And from what I can tell from social media, you really have a love for Ohio, which is I not do. my experience, <laughs> but I also didn't grow up there. So tell me about that time there and how you transitioned over to the West Coast a little bit. Yeah, I love my state. Uh, I'm originally from Cincinnati, born and raised, um, and just loved my time growing up there. Mm-hmm. Um, love the Midwest. 
people from the Midwest are some of the most solid, down-to-earth, nicest people you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cincinnati is also a great city, a very diverse city. It's a city that's 48% black. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> so grew up a lot of around a lot of great black entrepreneurs and um, influencers doing a lot of great things. And so I love my city, love my state. Um, yeah. Do you get back there often? I try to go back about three to four times a year. My parents are still oh, there. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, my parents are there. They're older. They're there by themselves. They're transplants. They're not from Ohio. Right. Um, so it's just them. I have a brother in Philly. Um, but I try to go back three to four times a year. So now you're on the best coast, California. <laughs> I'm from California. Area. So tell us about California. How did you end up there from Ohio? Well, I didn't go straight from Ohio. I went to undergrad in New York, Mm -hmm. upstate New York, and then I went to law school in D.C., and then I worked at a big firm in New York City. So I didn't go straight from Ohio. I moved to L.A. from New York, um, and I was working at a big firm here, and I decided I really wanted to do more in the entertainment space. And you weren't doing any of that here? Not really. And I felt like L.A. is really the epicenter of TV and film. Mm -hmm. So I thought if I really wanted to get into TV and film, I needed to be in L.A. Right. So I ended up quitting my job and buying a one-way ticket to L.A. Wait, so you quit with no prospect? No prospects. I didn't know one person in L.A. when I moved there. And how long ago was this? This was about five, six years ago. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I just quit my job, moved out there, didn't know anyone, didn't have a job. I just knew I wanted to get into entertainment. And I ended up going back to school and doing a truncated program at UCLA to learn how the industry just works. And when you say go back, what did you actually, was it a like LLM? What type of program was it? No, it was like just a six-week program. It wasn't a legal program. Oh, okay. So it was a program at UCLA to teach people about TV and film production. Oh, okay. So I wanted to learn it, not from a legal perspective, just from a practical perspective. Like how does someone actually just make a TV show? Uh How is a film made? And so I did that program. It was a six-week program. We had classes every night for like two to three hours. Um, so went back to school to really just kind of learn how the industry works. And uh, also did some cold calling and got a job working for Will Smith's production company. Oh, wow. So I was doing that during the day and then going to school at night. Um, but I actually hated L.A. Oh, <laughs> when wow. When I moved there. So I left after the program was over. I oh, left wow. after a couple months and came back to the East Coast. Um, and so this is my second go-round Back in LA. So um, you like LA now? I like it now. Okay. Yeah. So it what, takes some time to adjust. What was different between the first time in LA and the second time in LA? Uh, for me, location, uh, fit, like finding a neighborhood that worked for me. I live in downtown LA now, oh, which yeah. I love. Um, it's new. A new, a new gentrified area. So yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there's something like one big suburb, which I don't like. So yeah. I like being in a city. Yeah. I like buildings and walking places, and um, downtown has that. The rest of LA is just very like suburby to me, and there aren't a lot of black folks in LA. So that to me did not work well. We're only eight percent of the population. That so, is so interesting because yeah. you think about the culture of LA, and I, in my mind, I put black people right at the front of it, and so that's so. Yeah, I guess the numbers don't lie. Very small sliver. The numbers don't lie, and we'll get to some of the numbers later on about like you know the diversity in our industry. So you went back the second time, Mm -hmm. and so that 
meant you were like full on working in the entertainment space. Is that what you were saying? I was. So the second time around, I had a lot of my clients were starting to be based in LA. So instead of going back and forth a lot, I just decided to make the transition and be back full time. Okay. You said clients. We skipped a part. So (laughs) did you start a law firm is what you're saying? I did. And where did you, did you start that? Tell us the the name of your law firm. The law firm is my name, the law office of Jaya Thomas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started when I came back east. Okay. Um, Wow. Yeah. So I started it. I was kind of at a crossroads. I was kind of like, do I go back to working at a big firm? Do I go in house? And my dad, who's actually an entrepreneur, was like, why don't you just start your own thing? Oh, wow. Um, and so I did. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I Whoever just does. bought a domain name and kind of went from there. Oh. So how's been, how has it been um, having your own practice so far? You're nine years in, right? Yep. So tell us about that start you didn't know and to where you are now. Yeah, so it was tough. And that's why I teach, you know, a course on it now at UCLA because, you know, going to law school, it doesn't teach you anything about how to be an entrepreneur. Right. So, you know, I knew the law, I knew how to be a lawyer, but I didn't know how to be a business owner. Right. And so running a law practice, you are a business owner. You're wearing a lot of different hats. You're, you know, marketing yourself, you're doing Mm -hmm. accounting, you're doing a lot of different things that I had no experience doing. Right. So (laughs) I knew nothing about how to be a successful entrepreneur. And so honestly, it was a lot of trial and error. I was figuring out a lot of things as I went. And it really wasn't until maybe I was like two to three years in, I felt comfortable. Um, But yeah, the first couple years, I was just throwing darts at the wall, trying to figure out, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And I made a lot of mistakes, you know, my first couple of years. Tell us some of the mistakes you made up front for any of those entrepreneurs listening. Honestly, a little bit of everything. Um, (laughs) And not only the mistakes, what you learned from them and how you overcame them. So maybe two or three. Um, so I would say one of the mistakes I made, um, was not outsourcing, you know, different things. So I was trying to do everything on my own. Right. I was trying to do like the accounting, the marketing, being my own assistant. It saves you money. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because when you're starting out, you want to save money yeah. and you don't oftentimes have a lot of money to spend on a lot of different things. But there's so many resources now where you can get freelancers, you know, mm-hmm. to help yeah. out with certain things at a very minimal cost. And I wish I would have done that because I'm not an expert in all these things, you know, and that was one of the biggest mistakes, trying to become an expert in like everything, you know? Um, And so that's one thing I would tell people, entrepreneurs thinking about starting a business, know what you know, know what you don't know and outsource, you know, what you're not strong in to other folks. And there are ways to save money doing that. Um, So I would say that was probably my biggest mistake. And I would say another mistake is not doing my research before I started my practice. Mm-hmm. I literally was just like, oh, I'm just going to start it. I should have maybe read some books or taken some classes on just how to run a business. And I didn't do that. Okay. And so I would recommend that too, before you kind of just jump out there, do some research, you know, on just entrepreneurship right? and what that right. really means uh, that before sense. you kind of dive right in. That makes total sense. So you started your practice, you started to get a couple clients under your belt and I'm presuming they were mainly entertainment or they sports were. clients, right? They were. Okay, so you got to a point where you said they were sort of starting to be more located on the West Coast. Yes. So you were feeling pretty good. And so you're just like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's head back out West. And so what's mainly the type of work you were doing once you got back to the West Coast? So my work in the entertainment space is primarily TV and film. Okay. So I don't really touch music. I don't really touch fashion. 
it's mainly TV and film. So working with actors, actresses in that space, writers, producers, and most of them are based um, in LA. Um, and then I do do a little in the digital space with influencers. Uh-huh. But um, the bulk of the studios and networks are still in, in California. So, And so in addition to having your own practice, you're also a professor. Tell us a little bit about your experience as a professor. Sure. So... I had decided a couple years ago I wanted to teach, um, and I decided I either wanted to UCLA or USC, mm-hmm. and I was just like kind of applying online. Uh, and to why my- did you want to do those two places, I ask? Well, USC is close to my house, <laughs> <laughs> so that's just me trying to be convenient. Valid, um, very valid. <laughs> that LA traffic is no joke. Correct. And um, UCLA, I had done that program, right, that okay. TV and film program, yeah. and I they have a really strong entertainment program. So it was kind of between those two schools, and I was just applying online. I wasn't making any traction. And so one day I just decided to email the deans at both schools and uh, asked for a 10-minute informational meeting with both of them. Uh, the dean at UCLA got back to me first. We mm-hmm. had a 10-minute informational meeting that turned into 30 minutes, that turned into me, to him introducing me to the deans of other departments, which turned into them giving me an offer. Oh, wow. Um, awesome. So Did it all happen the same day? It did. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I always tell people, like, don't ever be scared. I mean, I'm a big advocate of, like, sending those blind emails, you know, making those blind phone calls because you just never know, yeah. you know, what it could lead to. So that's how that honestly came about. What amount of your time do you say you, you spend in like, you know, the professor portion of your life? Small. <laughs> Small. <laughs> so uh, never- because honestly, once you start teaching the same courses, uh, you know, it kind of becomes a routine. Yeah. So I have to kind of like update some of the materials, but right. I kind of have a routine for my classes. Um, so it takes time to do some grading and answering student questions, but in the grand scheme of things, it's still a fairly small percentage. So how do you like being a law school professor compared to being a law student? You know, as a law student, sometimes you hate it, the professors and the work. So how does it feel to be on the other side of that now? I actually love it because what I try to do is I really try to teach practical skills. Right. And I feel like when I was in law school, a lot of the stuff they taught I don't use, no one uses. (laughs) Um, So I try to flip that and really teach students like practical skills, like things you can actually use now or when you graduate. So it's less theory for me and more just practical information. Um, And also I love it because when I was in school, I mean, there were two black women professors at my law school. Um, So I'm a big advocate of, you know, there being more color, uh, more representation in terms of professors at all law schools. Oh my gosh. So that's, that's a, perfect, a good segue. That's a segue because I was going Talk to say, <laughs> I was going to say, so <laughs> at this point in career in our like sort of kind of linear story that we're telling, you've had like four or five years under your belt practicing, you're being a professor now. And so you sort of start to learn about the industry and the ins and outs of it and how it is working and how it could be working. Mm -hmm. So when did it become clear to you that there was a sort of a diversity issue specifically with black attorneys in this space? And then when did you sort of acknowledge that, oh, wow, this isn't just an attorney thing. This is like a black behind the scenes. Everything thing. Everything. You got the talent out there, but like when you look just right behind the surface, right beyond the surface, the teams, the teams are not matching up to what is Mm -hmm. out there representing it. Right. So when when did you sort of start to get a sense like, hmm, something is off here? 
So I've always kind of had a sense. I mean, growing up, you hear rap songs and rappers rapping about my Jewish lawyer, this, <laughs> my Jewish lawyer, that. Yeah, I say that all the time. Yeah, all the time. It's always been there, <laughs> right. you know? And I've always rolled my eyes um, and just thought that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so it's always been there. Um, but for me, the catalyst probably came a couple of years ago when – a lot of my clients are black, but I'm usually the only black person on their team. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I'm their attorney, but their agents are white, their publicists are white, their managers are white, their assistants are white. Right. And yeah. for me, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah. what are what are <laughs> we doing? Um, and over the past couple of years, there's been like this really big push for diversity and entertainment and Hollywood and, you know, all these conversations about diversity. And I was, as an attorney, tired of just having the conversation being one sided. Right. Yeah. And I feel like the conversation just focuses on the people we see on screen, the people we see in the movies. But it's like, who are the execs behind the scene? Right. Who are these people's agents and attorneys? Because let me tell you, it's still a very white space, a very, very. white and a very heavily male, male dominated yeah. space. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, like the light bulb for me happened last year when Black Panther came out. Great movie. Uh. Great movie. <laughs> but, um, you know, as black folks, we were running to the theater. We, we sure were Wakanda forever. And, you know, it was great. But I remember having a conversation with my friend who's a publicist, another black woman, mm-hmm. who works at a major studio in L.A. And we were like, I wonder who, like, the stars, like, who their publicists are. And mm, I was yeah. like, yeah, I wonder who their attorneys are. And I remember us having this conversation. We were like, we don't know. And so, like, who reps Michael B. Jordan? Like, we didn't know. Right. And I spent an entire weekend doing research and found out all of their agents were white, all of their managers were white, all of their publicists were white. Right. And all of their attorneys were white, except one, Lupita's attorney is a black woman. And it was just, like, this huge disconnect. You know what I mean? Because even the stars, no shade to them, but it's like, even the stars are out here saying Wakanda forever. Right. But it's like, your team is Wakanda forever. Right. You know? Like we- you know? It is like, it's one thing to talk the talk and there's another thing to walk the walk. Right. And it's like, we can talk about diversity until our heads fall off. But if we're not actually hiring and putting money into people's pockets, at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean anything. And I think that's a great point, particularly since you mentioned Black Panther and Michael B. Jordan. He's having this push for inclusion writers and having these people on set, but your team isn't reflective of what you're trying to have on camera, right? So I think it's very important. And that we do call these artists and stars out to say, hey, you have your team reflective of that too. And I always use the Prince example because he demanded those people be in the room or he wasn't having the conversation. So And there aren't a ton of people like that. I mean, I can count on one hand the number of people in Hollywood who have like all black teams, like Lena Waithe, she has a black team. I mean, I can, I know it off the top of my head. (laughs) And that's sad. You know what I mean? And I know who they are, but there are so many folks out here who just you know, black power, I love black people, but it's like, but you're not hiring any though. So how does that work? And then, okay, also I want to ask before we get too far in it, because, you know, people sometimes, we understand why there's a need for diversity and for representation, but I'm going to ask you, can you just make the the case for diversity for people who are just like, well, I don't understand why are we just having diversity for diversity's sake? Like, there is a business case to diversity, isn't there? Yeah. 
I mean, there are a lot of different layers that get to go into this. And honestly, from the talent perspective, you know, if you have people on your team that don't really understand you or understand your background or understand your culture, sometimes there's going to be a disconnect and harder for them to really push for you to get certain roles, to do certain projects, because they honestly, at the end of the day, don't really understand the core of who you are and where you come from. So that's one thing. And for me, why I'm such a big advocate for more black folks being hired and more black folks in the room is because it's also an economic issue. Right. You know? And until there's more money being circulated amongst us as yeah. people of color, we're always going to be 10 steps behind no matter how many movies we're in or TV shows yes. we're in until the money matriculates into our pockets. It, honestly, at the end of the day, it's not going to mean much. True. It's like the wealth gap is, it's like, I don't understand, but it's actually been widening for black people at least in the Absolutely. last 50 years or so and the way in which you explain that it's just like how are we going to there's no way we can make any traction on that if like just if the people who are working closest to us aren't representative of the communities that we come from and it's like you wonder why you have these individual artists having to come out of pocket and they have to lift up every single person from their family because they're the only ones because no one else yeah. is coming up like that that's um forgot what Jay-Z was said in the one song, success is when everyone else is wealthy. Right. Um, something about blah, blah, something like that. But, you know, it this sort of resonated to me to be like, wow, like, if you're the only one who's succeeding, like, is everyone really succeeding? Like, how successful are you at that point, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point. And, you know, it definitely, for me, hits home a little bit more in sports and entertainment because we thrive in those spaces. Yeah. You know, the NBA is predominantly black. The NFL is predominantly black. Um, entertainment thrives off our culture, our creativity, but white people become wealthy off of it, not us, you know, and I'm really just trying to change that paradigm. So what changing this, tell us a little bit about your platform, diverse representation. What is it? And when did it launch and all that stuff, you know, all the questions. (laughs) Uh, So it launched late last year. Um, and it's a couple different things. Um, it's, I really call it an initiative um, to increase the exposure and number of black agents, attorneys, managers, and publicists who work in the entertainment and sports industry. And one thing that we do is we provide this database of black agents, attorneys, managers, and publicists. Before, because actually before I launched it, after Black Panther, I started to ask a lot of black folks in entertainment, why don't you have black people on your team? Right. And a lot of them would say, I don't know any. I don't know any black managers. Mm-hmm. I don't know any black publicists, which I'm like, right. Okay. okay. <laughs> but let's say you don't. I want to put together this database so no one can use that as an excuse anymore. Right. If you don't have a black person on your team, it's going to have to be because of another reason. Because now here's a free database of all the black publicists in the United States. Managers. And all the black agents. Absolutely. So that's part of it. Um, providing this database. And then also part of it for me is I think it's also important for all of the black folks behind the scenes, all the black reps, all the black executives to also know about each other, you know, because I'm very unapologetic about the fact that I refer black, you know? So if I have a client that does come to me asking me for a publicist, I refer black publicists. I refer black assistants. I refer black everything, but we all have to know each other to To be able to do that, you know, because that's what other cultures do. And we're still getting there. Right. Um, so we have this database, um, and we have a lot of different events. So we did our kickoff event at Lionsgate in December. 
um, in LA. And then we did a big event at Sundance in January, um, did something at NBA All-Star Weekend in February. So we're doing a lot of different events um, to kind of educate people about these issues. And so people can also start hearing more from black agents and black attorneys and black publicists. And are they um, like panels or are they mixers or networking yeah, events? Yeah, so a little bit of everything. So okay. a lot of panels. Um, in LA, we did a networking mixer a couple of weeks ago. Um, over 200 people came out oh, wow. for black talent looking to meet black reps. Which is very um, important right now with this WGA situation yeah. going absolutely. on. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we did that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then right now we're in the midst of doing a summer lunch series with black owned production companies. Um, so we're connecting black owned production companies with black reps and black execs. Uh, we kicked it off last month with Marseille Martin's production company doing Issa Rae's production company in two weeks, uh, Kevin Hart's company in July. So just trying to kind of connect all the dots for all of, you know, the black folks who work in entertainment and sports. So where can people find this information on the Diverse Representation website? Yeah, so if you go to diverserepresentation.com, you know, our database is there, our event listing is there. Also, we have a newsletter uh, that comes out every month. You can sign up directly on the website, and we share a lot of information in the newsletter. And we do features every month of different black reps um, on the newsletter as well. Um, You can also follow us on Instagram at Diverse Representation. Uh, But those are kind of the the points that people and can for connect. reps who want to be a part of this database, how can they get on the database? Sure. So you can sign up directly through the site. Um, there's a link on the site where you can sign up. And we definitely do our due diligence to make sure that everyone is legit. Because <laughs> um, we don't want people, you know, come and saying, I'm a manager. And it's like, but are you? Are you? <laughs> um, and, you know, as a black host, we already have to be 10 times better. Yeah. So, you know, we make sure everyone is legit on the site. But you can sign up directly on the site. Um, and we also have a membership program uh, for reps where you can refer business to each other, um, share information about, like, you know, different events you're doing. And we have member-only events as well for black reps. So all that's on the site. And then I have a question for you that you can e- you can get as detailed as you want or Uh-oh. not because okay. you don't want to put anyone on blast. <laughs> but, you know, with all of this work that you've been doing over the past year or so and, you know, pushing hard for, like, diversity in this space, do you feel like there's been any pushback? Absolutely. And do you feel like it has been coming from, you know, particular portion of the industry or types of people again (laughs) detailed as you want you don't have to throw anyone in the bus um so yeah i've definitely gotten pushback i've gotten pushback from white people who have been like this is racist color really so they literally just say it's racist absolutely they don't try to like you know sugarcoat it and be like what about including everyone absolutely not you know that sense of entitlement (laughs) they want to be everywhere yeah they're just blatantly like this is racist like Color shouldn't matter. Oh, so they're doing that whole colorblind. Right, right. right. So that version of racism. Absolutely. Oh, that's my Um, favorite because it's. And I think you know this could be threat. This is this. They could see this as a threat. threat. You know what I mean? Because like instead of all these black athletes going to them, maybe now they're going to start coming to black folks. Right. Um. But I've had that. I've had other cultures reach out and say, "Well, are you going to expand it? Right now, it's only black agents and attorneys and managers. When are you going to add Asian?" 
attorneys and managers and publicists are Hispanic. We don't have to include everybody and everything all the time. Some things are just for us. I mean, it's not my organization, so I can't speak for you, but I'm just like, dang. I mean, Solange said it best. (laughs) I totally got that pushback from a lot of people who are just like, well, you know, it should be all no cultures because we're not all everywhere and included in everything and that's okay and that's okay (laughs) i think too this is i have a big issue i was just having a conversation with a friend of mine from law school about how i have a problem when people have sort of subbed in the term um person or people of color when they really should just be saying black Black, sometimes like certain issues are just affecting our community and it's okay to say that like don't let Because, you know, let's just be real. There are parts, there are other minority groups that also like to, like, benefit from white supremacy and shit on black people as well. So it's it's okay sometimes to be like, no, no, this is an issue that is affecting us specifically. And I'm, I'm happy that you are very much, like, willing to say as the forefront of this organization, no, no, this is for Black people for this particular issue, for representation for us, because I saw it. Like, I mean, the numbers aren't lying. Just in general, I was looking up recently um, from the ABA, there's 1.35 million attorneys in the U.S. right now. 5% of those are Black. Which is crazy. And that's just a 5% of all of those attorneys are Black. We're not even getting into the minuscule amount that are actually working in the entertainment space. Right. So it's like, cut whatever that 5% is, cut that down to like another 0.5. 5%. Another <laughs> and 5%. And Absolutely. Until you get down to about six, 700. Absolutely. And that's, I'm trying to be generous, yeah, to be quite honest. True. So I'm really happy that you were like... You're, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I hate to say the word unapologetically because people I they, mean, but that's fact. She, she mentioned it. We can be unapologetic, and it's not our job to fight everyone's battle. Yeah, because I, I think people sort of bastardized that word in the last couple of years. But in the first sense that it was meant, it's like, yes, you're not afraid to say, this is who this is for, and this are the people I'm, I'm trying to enrich the community of people that I came from because I saw the need for it. So Absolutely. that is so important to me. So tell me about your thoughts on ownership. You know, there's a big push with Black people, and particularly I push for it, maintaining ownership of their art, their creative. What are your thoughts about the talks of ownership and being independent in your work now, particularly as Black artists? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for ownership in art, music, across the board, because I think that's another one of our big issues is we don't have enough ownership in what we've created and what we do. So I'm a huge advocate in, in folks fighting for their for ownership. And then also, and no, it sounds like, oh, we have so much work to do. And there is a lot of work to do. <laughs> but what are some areas of the industry where you can look to and say like, you know what, we're making a bit of progress. And it encourages you to like, you know, keep going to be like, okay, I can see something is changing, even if like the great change hasn't come yet. Mm-hmm. Like, what is something that's sort of giving you hope in the space to be like, okay, we can keep, like, some we're doing the work and something is changing, at least. Yeah, I think when it comes to entertainment, I think the barrier of entry is is much lower now. So I think it's easier to enter into the space. Right. You know, whereas, like, 20 years ago, you needed to be on TV or you needed to be in a movie. Now, with the internet, you know, a lot of people can get in the entertainment industry 
through being active on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, creating a YouTube series. So I think that's kind of leveled the playing field a little bit in Mm -hmm. terms of more black folks being able to get into this space, like the Issa Rays, like the Matthew Cherries. Um, So I think I think that is some progress we've made, um, you know, where there are a lot more of us like creating, Mm -hmm. being able to create um, in this space. And, and young black folks too. Um, so I think there's a removing a little bit of the old guard and like a new guard that's coming up. Um, that's a lot more open to, to bringing other people of color. Sorry, black people. <laughs> um, so I would say that is, if I had to think of um, one way that we're making headway, I would say that's it. And then lastly, I would want to say, um, I would want to ask, what is... What are some things that you hope to accomplish, you know, either as yourself as an attorney or with diverse representation going forward that that you can look towards to like in the near future, you know, to really push the space forward? Yeah, I mean, with regards to diverse representation, at the end of the day, I want a ton more. I mean, I can't say 100% because that may be a little unrealistic, but the majority of black athletes and the majority of black entertainers and artists to have black representation. Mm-hmm. Um, I want a lot more athletes to be like the LeBron James who have the black agents and, mm-hmm. you know, the black managers. Um, and I want a lot more people in the entertainment space who are black to have black people on their team. And I just want the economic effect of what that could look like to me is huge right. uh, for us as a community. And that's what I want to see, um, you know, in a year or two, probably not a year, I don't, you know, <laughs> in a couple of years from now, this is still a very new platform. So still building it and getting it off the ground. But that's what I would like to see. So, so far, what has been the thing that you're most proud of, whether it be in your career or with diverse representation? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um... Well, I am proud in terms of my career. Um, I'm proud that I was able to start my own practice and kind of like stick with it because um, there were a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, and with diverse representation, I think I'm just proud that I got it off the ground yeah. because honestly, like a lot of us have great ideas, but we just don't do anything with them. Right. And honestly, like I sat on that idea for a minute and right. I was like, should I do it? How do I do it? I don't know. And then I was like, no, just do it. Just put it together and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, so I'm just proud I got it off the ground because, you know, all of us have brilliant ideas right. and there's a difference between like having an idea and like executing it. So I'm just proud I was able to like execute it and it's nowhere near where I wanted to be, but I'm just proud I was able to like take it from idea to execution. Right. What's Go next ahead. for you? Ooh, um, still pushing diverse representation. <laughs> um, tomorrow's our first event in New York. Most of the events we've had have been in LA because that's where I am. And it's just easiest there. Mm-hmm. But I do want to start having more events like in New York, in Atlanta, in Chicago, in other markets. Um, and so really just kind of building it out and spreading awareness about it. The mm-hmm. fact that this does exist for people, this you know resource exists for people. Um, so that is, I'm kind of like blinders on right now, focused <laughs> yeah. on that. Um, I mean, in addition to like still practicing, but for me, that's kind of what I'm focused on, still spreading the word and, you know, getting the word out that this exists. Well, definitely. We are happy to have you on and we'll love to be a resource for you in New York. So thank you. Definitely let us know how we can help. 
Yes, thank, thank you. you so much for coming on. Again, this will actually come out after that um, the event that she's here for. Um, but I did want you at least to speak about it, so I was glad you asked that question, and she sort of led into that anyway. But thank you again for coming on. We really, really do appreciate it and the work that you're doing in this space because truly not a lot of people even care about this issue, especially the ones that are more successful who are black. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they, I won't say they, they don't care. I don't think they care enough to actually try to put in any work. I think they're willing to sort of yeah. like, you know, talk about it when asked about it, but they're not going to be out there being like, okay, here are the resources. Here okay. are the people you yeah. should be talking to. Here are the attorneys. Here are the managers who I've worked with over the years who, you know, like basically something like you're doing, putting together like a directory and connecting these people so they know and it doesn't feel like you're sort of on this island screaming into the void. Why are there only five of us right. at this company? And I'm going to jump <laughs> into, I know we're wrapping up here. Yeah, yeah. But that was another big thing for me also because I feel like, for years, I go to like these diversity events and diversity panels and you kind of get excited and revved up and like rah, rah, but then everyone kind of goes home. Right. And what really changes at the end of the day, right? you know? And so I wanted to kind of change that paradigm because honestly, I've complained about it too. Yeah. And it's like, you can either complain about it or do something about it. And I've complained about it for years, but right. it's like at some point we got to just stop complaining and start really putting in the work. Absolutely. You know? right. And not only be diverse, be inclusive. Right. And be inclusive to the point where I have a voice and say so and you listen. And Absolutely. So not just token. having me as a face in the room is not enough. And I love that our generation the community is demanding that and yeah. holding these companies accountable as well. Totally. And then creating our own brands and own spaces so now people will know us on our own. So that's the great thing about the power of social media too. Totally. But again, let everyone know where they can reach you um, and your website for diverse representation and everything Socials, else. Socials, all that. Sure. So for diverse representation, the website is www.diverserepresentation.com. Um, we are on Twitter at Diverse Rep, um, and then Instagram at Diverse Representation. And then for me, Jaya Thomas, I'm the only Jaya Thomas out there. <laughs> Spell your name for the <laughs> listeners. J-A-I-A, -A, uh, Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S. So my full name is on Instagram, Twitter, and my website, jayathomas.com um, is where you can find me. So yes, if you're looking for representation or you just want to get involved with their cause and you feel like this episode and this subject matter spoke to you, um, Jaya is your girl. And we will facilitate that as best we can. And then for us, you know the drill. We're always on social as well. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, mm -hmm. at PopLaw podcast www.poplawpodcast.com we have our newsletter and what you can sign up for on that website and also our blog pop blog where we talk about things in long form that we don't really get to cover on the show and on know, all listening platforms we're everywhere we out here so literally we already know <laughs> um except for song code yes yeah, so with that said please remember we, we are, are not, not your, your attorneys. attorneys.